Welcome to Strangers Shopping Strangers, podcast number 53. A big welcome back to anyone who's returning, and thanks for stopping in to anybody who's new this week. Well, this week's podcast is three separate conversations and song picks from the play Red Roses, Green Gold, which is currently open at the Minetta Lane Theater in New York City. The first conversation is with Gigi Pritzker, and Gigi is a producer on the play. About four years ago, Gigi, along with her producing partner, Ted Rawlings, got an opportunity to bring to life a book by Michael Norman Mann, along with the music of Jerry Garcia and Robert Hunter, and that is Red Rose's Green Gold. We talk a bit about our natural affinity towards the music and culture of the Grateful Dead and some of her inspiration to share the stories with the Deadheads while also opening it up to other theater goers who'll come home with an entirely new perspective. My second conversation is with Natalie Storrs. Well, Natalie's been a fan of bluegrass music for years. Before Red Rose's Green Gold, she was not familiar with the Dead's music. Diving into the catalog drove her straight down the rabbit hole, and working under musical supervision with Jeff Clemente gave her a fantastic ride. We talk a bit about Jeff and his just authenticity, and I even get a chance to share my ongoing analogy about Jeff reminding me of a super happy, smiley golden retriever with his head out of a moving car, just always so exuberant and enjoying the ride. My last conversation is with Maggie Hollenbeck, and Maggie's been a fan of the music for many years, and she even shares a story about a show she caught at Shoreline back in high school. Getting an opportunity to be part of the play, Maggie's come to respect and love the songbook on an entirely another level. The complexity of the music and harnessing the energy with the audience has been really a one-of-a-kind of experience. The genesis of the podcast with Red Roses Green Gold is a cool one and a story that is my first giveaway to listeners. They reached out to me after seeing uh, one of my magnets and uh, wanted to ask about doing some collaboration. I've never sponsored anything or anyone, so this was really exciting, but it also presented me with the How Does This Fit In With Strangers Stopping Strangers podcast. We decided to do it like we always do, tell some stories and share some music picks. Red Roses Green Gold then offered to give away a voucher for two tickets to the play in New York City, listener's choice, between dates November 24th and January 7th. So I'm going to do a contest on Facebook and Instagram on the podcast post. So please check it out at Stranger Stopping Strangers on Facebook and Instagram. Like or follow the page and leave an emoji story about how you feel about the podcast and the music. I'm still trying to figure out exactly what I'm looking for, but I bet just a lot of cool, you know, music and love and other fun, creative emoji that you have on your keyboard, the more the better. So now it's time just to break them out. The winner will be announced on Friday, November 17th. So as always, thank you so much for stopping in. I hope you enjoy the podcast and we will catch you soon. Well, Gigi, welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yay! Well, this is so fun. I'm I'm so thrilled to have you on and that we got a chance to meet through Deb last week. That was so much fun. That was great. That was my first experience and it was phenomenal. I'm so excited to know there's this group of people out there. 
It's it's such an amazing group, and the people just you know the the transcending of who you are and where we're from. You know, after that, I I started making some phone calls or emails with people afterwards about some things. The level of just getting back to you about stuff and just wanting to talk to you, I mean, unbelievable. Like nothing I've ever seen in all of my life. I mean, what an amazing group of people. Yeah, totally terrific. And I, it's funny. Um, when Fairly Well came to Chicago, I had uh, tickets for two out of the three nights. One of the nights was a Fourth of July party that we always do, so I couldn't go. But on the third night, uh, I asked our daughters if they wanted to go, and only our youngest wanted to go. So we went together, and as we were going in, it was at Soldier Field, and I said to her, so here's the thing. What you have to know about going to a Grateful Dead concert is it's kind of like being a part of a giant single-celled thing, and you just kind of got to flow with it and not push against it, and you'll see it has its own rhythm. And she looked at me like I was crazy. And at the end of the show, we were walking out and she said to me, you know, I feel like I know a lot more about you now. I understand you more now having had that experience. And I think part of it is what you just said. There's a, you know, people are kind to each other. People care about each other. And having that networking experience reminded me, oh, right, that we do share something in common as deadheads. There's there's that. Yeah, there's just a respect and there's an interest. There's a genuine interest that starts. You know, I find sometimes I'll talk to people and it's you have to find that that common thing. And it's just this amazing way to just be, okay, well, we all carry this in our hearts. So let's just start here. And then, you know, what else do we all have going on? And then it spokes out from there into all of our lives, you know? Yep, yep, exactly. Well said. Oh, well, very cool. Well, so so you were there because you got in touch with Deb for Red Roses Green Gold. I mean, amazing. You just had your opening night. Only a, a pure deadhead would bringing this to our community and to other communities. So so tell everyone a little bit about the play and, and kind of how it came to be. Well, we found the script that Michael Norman Mann had written, um, and he had been working on it for a number of years. And it came to us about four years ago. And my partner, Ted Rollins, we've been doing this together for 12 years in the theater industry. And he said to me, hey, you like The Grateful Dead, don't you? I said, yes. He said, well, I found this script and, you know, it needs some work and I think we could help it. And is this something you'd be interested in? So I guess it's three and a half years now, maybe, that we took it with Michael and kind of fixed it up, patched it together, developed it, as we say in our industry, found the creative team to attach to it to really make it what it is today. So basically it's music of Garcia and Hunter, so early um, Working Man's Dead, uh, American Beauty. We actually have a unreleased Robert Hunter song in there as well. It's very exciting, called Drunkard's Carol. And so it's that music, which I just have such an enormous affinity for and think is so beautiful, and an original story, an original, fun, made-up story that is kind of evocative of those tunes and within the ethos of that music. So there's a poker game, There's it's set in a mining town, originally uh, in Cumberland, after Cumberland Blues, but we kind of migrated away from that into some other things. So the story is basically about family, 
swindlers and cheats and mining and and in that whole um, early Americana era that that music really comes from. Ah, so amazing. And I mean, that sounds so much fun. And the one thing I love, I mean, the one thing that I love as a deadhead is just that the songbook evokes so many different eras, so many different feelings. And really, Robert Hunter wrote to your imagination and to be creative. So to take that and, and be able to put an experience around it just gives such an amazing you know, dimension to that. And then somebody else could have a completely different dimension somewhere else down the line, right? It's just, it's, it's one of the stories that comes to life. Exactly. That's exactly right. And I think, you know, for me, I was thinking for the entire three and a half years, oh boy, I don't want to, I don't want to let down the people who love this music and the deadheads who really care. But I also want to create something to bring people who don't know the music or who think they know it but may not have uh, an affinity like we do towards it. And to be able to, and it's happened a little bit, slowly but surely, I think it'll happen more, that people who aren't familiar with the music see the show and say, wow, I didn't realize that was the music. I, I always thought of it as kind of acid, rocky, 60s, but this is so beautiful and so lyrical and the words are so deep and meaningful. And that to me is when we really succeed is when deadheads love it. And when we bring new people who can really appreciate the music. Oh, I think it's amazing. I think it is. And I think that, you know, I mean, there's been so much going on within the community. What I'm thinking when you said three and a half years, which I just think is so cool. And so in the spirit is that, gosh, you know, we were talking about, Fare Thee Well. So that was two and a half years ago. So this came to you before Fare Thee Well was announced. And then from Fare Thee Well kicking into Dead and Company on tour and that, the inspiration, wow, there's so much energy I want to get in the conversation. And so I've been doing this for a year and a half. I've been just watching this amazing wave of, you know, all kinds of different generations and people and young people. And to have you bring this to life organically, Three and a half years later, while this wave is, I don't even want to say cresting, but it's just so high, that's just so cool. It's just the classic serendipity of life, right? The timing of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, timing is everything, and, and you can't always plan for it. So happily, it's it's really lovely how this has all started to come to a point in culture where, you know, more people are seeing this stuff and more people are understanding a different way of looking at this music. You know, bringing John Mayer with Dead & Co. has really broadened the understanding of what the music can be. And I think having Jeff um, Comenti with us as our musical director for the show has really brought a lot of depth and authenticity to the show. And it was important to me that whoever was the musical director and, and really in charge of the the music portion of this that they really understand deeply what this music is and have a, a love for it, but also be able to understand that we're doing it in a different medium and that we're not having so much fidelity to every note and keystroke that we can't do it in the, in the realm that theater lives in. So I think Jeff did an amazing job of bringing out and reorchestrating some of the songs in ways that make sense for this medium, 
but also are true and authentic to the intent of the music from the beginning. Well, it's a real delicate balance, I would imagine. I mean, it's not something, not an endeavor I have any experience with. I mean, I'm, I'm very excited to see it. And I mean, Jeff, I just, I just love Jeff. I mean, he is, um, he is just so full of just happiness and joy when you watch him play. Anytime that I can get as close to his piano as possible, just to, you know, watch him smiling and, uh, you know, he's just a really exuberant musician and I just love the energy that comes off of him every time. Yeah, well, it is truly authentic, and I have to say one of the many, many, many joys of doing this show, but kind of the time when I just thought this is the coolest thing ever was uh, a few days ago we were doing a promotional piece, and um, they were shooting some video, and they said, you know, this will go under what we're talking about, so just walk around on the set and whatever, and so it was Jeff and myself and my partner, Ted, and Rachel, our uh, Rachel Klein, our director, who's spectacular and done an amazing job. But anyway, we were all on, on the, the stage and we were walking around and Jeff sat down at the piano and played Ripple. And we all gathered around the piano and sang Ripple together. And I, and I was just looking in Jeff's eyes and his, just his, his enthusiasm, as you say, and his joy for life and people and the music. I just couldn't have had a more ecstatic moment in my life ever. (laughs) I just got goosebumps thinking about it. I really, I mean, I'm not, this, this happens sometimes on the podcast. I'll be hearing a story and then I'll just get the goosebumps go through. So I just got the goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's really special. We're, um, it's a really special community and, and I'm, um, I'm honored to be able to share the stories and, and, and get this out to the uh, listeners to, to know, you know, what it's all about. And, uh, and again, I'm, I'm really excited to come back to New York. I'm up in Massachusetts, so I get back and forth every couple months. So I'm excited to get down and see it myself. I was yeah, we well we met. It was right before the opening. Good. Well, on the podcast, we we play music and we talk about our experiences and and love for the music. So we selected a song because I, I you know I feel like we have people love to talk, but really it all comes back to the music. So it's sort of a music talk show. And tell us a little bit about the song you picked and uh, and and what we're going to play next. We're going to play Sugar Magnolia, which is one of my favorites and has huge resonance for me and my family. My brothers were all deadheads and they're older than me. And they exposed me to the music from day one. There's 12 years between me and my oldest brother. One day, my middle brother, who's nine years older than me, when I was about 12 or 13, came home with a adorable puppy that he gave me for Christmas. And we named her Sugar Magnolia. The song and what it's meant to me and my family and my brothers always has a warm place in my heart. And we, in fact, play it. I'm not going to tell you the playlist of our show, but that might be one of the songs. Well, then we will play some Sugar Magnolia in memory of Sugar Magnolia. And, and, you know, we haven't determined which one yet. So when I do the intro to the podcast and on the blog on the website, I will have the Sugar Magnolia listed. We'll let it hang out into the ether for a little while until we come up with just the right one that'll speak to this podcast. Awesome. That's great. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for popping in, and I've got some uh, some great conversations with uh, Natalie and with Maggie. Yeah, I'm really excited to for this podcast and to, sh- to share with everyone. 
That's great. I love that you're doing the women of Red Roses Green Gold. It is the women. Well, the women are smarter. <laughs> they say. <laughs> so they say. All right. Well, thank you so much, and uh, have a, a wonderful day. Bye. Thank you. Bye.
Well, Natalie, welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers. Thank you so much. I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, this is exciting. Uh, so this is truly <laughs> a Stranger Stopping Strangers moment because we haven't met. We just, just met today. So fun to, to talk to you about uh, your newfound love for the music and the play and inspiration. And, and I want to hear all about it. Yeah, I I feel really, really pretty lucky to have been, um, you know, granted this opportunity to be in Red Roses, Green Gold. The music, being able to jump in as as somebody who really didn't have a lot of experience with the music of uh, the dead, it's been the coolest experience to jump in and absolutely, like, engulf myself <laughs> in the catalog and the music and the lyrics. And it's really grown to a huge love for me. So what was the first song that you learned? Like, what was the first one that was like, okay, this is cool. I can wrap my mind around this. Oh, man. Well, I think, okay, the first one, for our callbacks, mine specifically, I had to, um, I had to prepare Broke Down Palette okay. in a certain way. There were a couple of different songs, but that one was the first one that really spoke to me just in, like, a human way and just like with those emotions and the lyrics and the, the melodies and I just fell in love with it and then once I got into the show we started with Cumberland Blues and that is like I'm on board if, <laughs> if something is has some bluegrass roots to it yeah. that was kind of my way to start really connecting to the to the music was through kind of like the working man's dead so all of that really really got me on board and then I just started falling down the rabbit hole of uh of loving loving all of it oh that's awesome well i mean it really is i mean the the music and and that's just kind of why i feel like the deadheads were just so from all different ages and all different experiences and all different walks of life i mean it, it really transcends any one kind of music right i mean it's rock it's country it's bluegrass it's disco it's it's kind of yep. everything you know it's it's it's, it's whatever everything and what I love about it is that these songs, well, love and sound the most difficult was <laughs> because we had to learn the songs was that all these songs don't necessarily follow like a typical song structure. You know, they're all over the place because they were organic. They came together organically. And, and you know, so there are, there are multiple bridges and then the keys change all over the place, which for actor musicians, you know, <laughs> it's a bit a of a challenge. challenge. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. would imagine. Absolutely. The, um, one of my duets in the show is Box of Rain. And co-star David and I, for months, we, we, we just looked at each other like, why is this so hard to memorize? <laughs> just quarterly, you know, like playing what we were playing. And it's because that's how brilliant the music is. I just think it's amazing that it keeps throwing surprise after surprise. Let me ask you this. I mean, so when the bands play, and, and really even, you know, a lot of the bands that I've seen that are, you know, homages to the Grateful Dead or different iterations of the band or incarnations of the band, every time, you know, when you go see the live music, it's always a little different. There's an element of improvisation. I mean, not, not necessarily with the lyrics, but just with the overall right. vibe and feel. Are, do you find yourself doing that in the play? we have to be a little bit more structured just because it's the world of theater and we have sound cues and light cues and, you know, a stage manager who's keeping us on track. Mm -hmm. However, I would say that um, we definitely do. We have really become our own kind of family band in this cast. And we definitely are listening to each other and jamming off of each other. 
And we, we start the show off with a pre-show jam. So we do get to like be organic and, you know, improvisational. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how we start the show. And because we find that that's important. Jeff Comenti, who was our music supervisor, he brings with him breadth of knowledge. Oh, yeah. Um, for all of that. And so, you know, that was super important to him. And we have, uh, we have a couple of encores as well that we get to be more fun and jammy and throw, throw in our own organic stuff in. Oh, that's so fun. Well, I really hope to go see it. So how was working with Jeff? I'm, I mean, I, he is just, I just love Jeff. Every time I get a chance to see Jeff, I always park myself like at a show, especially when I get to see like smaller shows. He's played with J-Rad or I've seen him with Steve Kamuk at Sweetwater. I just like to just park myself right up front in front of him and just watch him because yeah. he is just the happiest happiest guy ever he reminds me of like a like a golden lab you know that's like got his like head out the window you know like when you drive by and you see like like one of those super smiley you know yellow dogs that's like tugs all out and they're just like they're just so happy that's oh my god that's my vibe that is such a correct vibe (laughs) jeff was my favorite person to walk into rehearsal and and he was always outside the door chilling maybe smoking a cigarette and and every time i walk up he was just like natalie you know it just gives you this big hug and a kiss and he's like how are you oh he's just so positive and so like everything that you just said that he is on stage he is in person and he is you know as a teacher and as a as our music supervisor he was just so caring and loving with the music and so appreciative of us you know working on all of it Ah, oh, that's um, beautiful. That's so good to hear. And it's just you yeah. can just get that from him. There's just no way it can't it can't be. You know, I mean, no. get, you know, big stadiums like when I've been at Shoreline and like out in the back, and you know, you you see musicians from a distance and you see it on the big screen and you get an overall feeling. But again, those those few shows where I have like just standing, you know, seven feet mm-hmm. away, you can't you can't miss on that. You know, like you're just getting yep. that. And I'm like, Oh my God, I just love him. He's just, uh, it he's is just a, such a big, happy yeah, guy. It's very real. And, uh, we had the pleasure and honor of him jumping up on stage and playing with us on our opening night oh, when we did awesome. our encore. And that was the coolest. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. Yay. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is really fun. I'm, I'm excited to get into the city and see it and, um, was excited to get involved with you guys and give Absolutely. away some tickets. Uh, we're going to come up with some promotion. It hasn't been decided yet, but when this goes out, it'll already be in motion. We're, we're going to come up with a contest for one of the Stranger Stopping Strangers listeners to get to, uh, oh, nice. Come see the show. Yeah. It's just fun to meet you guys and, and to be involved. Um, really exciting yeah well i'm gonna play a song so last last thing up yeah uh, we play music we play music on the podcast because really you know it's all about the music comes back to that that's like the core the root the center so mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about the song that you picked i um this song i love talking about this song because it was harder for me the first couple of times i was listening to it i i couldn't really get into it and and that's because I came from you know kind of a different music background and then the more I was exploring the music of the dead and this is um the song the wheel is a a big song for my my character in the show to sing all of a sudden it just it just clicked into place I was listening to tons of different versions of it I fell in love with the wheel because of you know Robert Hunter's lyrics and also it's just it's just the most 
amazing, like transcendent song, in my opinion, you know, it talks about the struggles of humanity and then, you know, how we pep talk ourselves even just to get through that and to keep going and to keep progressing. And I feel like the music and, you know, every, every different nuance of this song is it sounds like a wheel and it sounds like progress and it sounds like hope. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just find that it's so unbelievably beautiful in every, in every incarnation that I listen to or hear. I love the wheel. Absolutely. No, I think it's awesome. And I love the way it like, it pushes you and, and, and it's optimistic and pushes you forward for, you know, getting farther and, and, and trying our best. And then at the yeah. end, it's like, you know what though? We're all kind of fucked at the end anyways, right? I mean, if oh, the thunder yeah. don't get you, then the lightning will, you know, like, you know what? And that's almost kind of freeing. Totally. <laughs> let's do it. Let's go there. Let's do it. Let's, let's do our best. Let's, you know, make our mark while we're here, you know, on this yeah. earth and, and go farther and try harder. And then at the end, you know, we're all just a speck of time because at the end of the day, if the thunder doesn't get you, then the lightning will. So, you know, yep. we're here, then we're gone and just do our best, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Why not just keep pushing? Keep pushing. Right on. <laughs> Woohoo. Well, I am going to go in and I'm going to play it and for everybody to enjoy. Thank you so much for for coming aboard and taking some time and um, and and uh, hope to get to New York and uh, and see you live. Yeah, I hope to meet you in person. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you, and uh, and we'll be in touch.
Hollenbeck, welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers. Thanks, Stacy. How fun to be here. Yeah, this is so fun to get to talk to a couple of y'all from the play Red Roses, Green Gold. It's very exciting Ooh. about, yes. So you were uh, chosen as somebody that has some um, fun feelings and connections back to the music. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about it. Sure. You know, I don't I don't really remember how I first got introduced to the dead but um in my sophomore year in high school back in 87 wow i just completely dated myself outed myself on my age um so my uh my sophomore year in high school a bunch of friends i think i was in a band at that point i was i came into high school as a musician i started playing piano when i was 3 went to a performing arts magnet school so i was uh, that's how i got into theater and i was a musician as well and so i was in a, a band that gigged around town and you know, we played Pink Floyd stuff, and we I'm sure we probably played some Dead, although I can't remember what we would have played. But I remember that we played Comfortably Numb. That was, like, the, the song that I remember most. And uh, a bunch of those guys were going to see The Grateful Dead, and they invited me along. And so I went, and I, I didn't really have a concept of what I was going to, I don't think, although I knew that I knew a little bit about the culture that the dead had around them. We went to the shoreline and sat up on the lawn and uh, and I got introduced to this type of music that I had never heard before. You know, this long form, jazzy, sort of improvisational, the jam. I mean, and also the, you know, one of the things that I look back now and I, uh, as I've been listening to their music getting ready for the show is how they just never stopped playing. I mean, they would play a two and a half, three hour show and every song would just seamlessly meld from one into the other and they never really stopped, um, which is a fascinating thing because as a musician, you know, this, these songs, they're not all in the same key, they're not all in the same tempo or with the same feel, but they've found a way to just have these liminal spaces in between the songs where, they're, where they go really kind of formless and structureless, and then they seamlessly just hit measure one on the next song, and then all of a sudden they're back in structure and form and just perfectly in sync with each other. And it, it I mean, it, it was a fascinating 
thing to experience musically. And I, of course, I didn't know all that at that age, but I just, I knew it was something totally different from anything I'd ever experienced before. Yeah, no, a, a band beyond description for sure. Totally. Absolutely. I mean, they, you know, they really were kind of, you know, grandfathered in like the jam scene and there's so many, you know, other, other bands that have now followed with the improvisational form and style. Mm-hmm. But there's just, you know, I, I think there's something that was always so magical about just the, uh, the participation between the crowd and the music too. I mean, there was, a, there's always a shared energy around the music that I think is really just distinctive as well. Yeah, not something that I necessarily consciously experienced at the show that I saw, but um, having done more research about them, you know, one of the things that I that I saw was the six part documentary that's on Amazon, Long Strange Trip, and really got an appreciation for how much the band decided to include the audience in the experience or really allowed them to, right? I don't know that that was a decision as much as like, oh, all this energy is coming toward us and we can and we're feeding them and they're feeding us and and instead of trying to control that experience, they allowed it to flow and allowed it to affect them and affect the music and god, what a what a unique, amazing energetic experience for everybody, the band and the audience. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's enough to make people just leave their homes and, uh, <laughs> and uh, spend money they don't have or go out for miracles and uh, yeah. sell, you know, tie-dyes and burritos for three months at a time. I don't, yeah, I don't think there's, uh, there's, there's too many other, it's almost like a, the circus when it comes to town and everyone just kind of mm-hmm. follows suit and yeah, it's really special. And I think it's still going on. I mean, I have been, um, you know, seen a lot of bands that are playing and, and have been catching as many Dead and Company shows as I can. And that, I mean, that really is the same commonality is that that energy, that that spirit is still going, which is so special. Yeah, it is. And it's nice that the, I think the, um, the best of that energy is what has sustained, you know, it seemed like in the 80s and 90s, there was got a little chaotic there for a while. You know, the documentary talks about sort of the the Coke influence and, and how that maybe, I don't know, I got the sense that it sort of threatened a little bit of the utopian culture that had, had grown up around the dead. Um, but it seems like the better natures of the fans is what has sustained. So when you go to a show now, I saw, um, you know, the different iterations. I saw Phil Lesh and Friends this summer here in New York, it was just a joyful party, you know, I mean, there's just so much joy and, and like this mellow kind of love for your fellow man (laughs) that happens when you get into that crowd, you know, everybody just wants a good time. They all want to move their bodies. They want to move their souls and Absolutely. What balls around? It's great. No, it's what keeps me coming back over and over and over. I like to think it's uh, it's there's no place I'd rather be, you know, when I'm there. It's like everyone feels that way. Like this is it. This is this is where we want to be at this moment, at this time. And there's so few things in life that you go through where whoever you're around at that time, everybody seems just really content, you know, like Mm -hmm. that's where they want to be right then and right there. I mean, even if it's only for an hour or two of one day. So often people are, you know, distracted by what they're going to or where they're coming from or, you know, what's happening in their world. And I feel like when you're around the music, you just kind of stop and soak it in, you know, for that that time and period. 
Yeah. And we're experiencing that at the show um, a little bit too. You know, we, when, when fans come to the show, it is uh, infectious, their joy. And, you know, there's like a freedom that, that, you know, the average theater goer, there are, there's a, there's etiquette right around the theater that you, you sit in the seat and you, and you listen and, you know, you you have the theater experience sort of come to you, but the fans in the audience, they want to be interactive and they, and, you know, they, it's awesome. awesome. They get up and dance in the aisles and they're really, oh. and they're, you know, talking back to us sometimes, you know, in a, in a nice way, not in a heckling way, but just like in a, yeah, we're here, man. We're with you. Right. Way. On. It's so fun. It's so much fun. We come off stage at the end of nights when when there's a lot of that energy there, and we're just we're all blissed out, you know, Um, because it's yeah, because it's just so much fun to have that interchange energetically in the theater. So a play, uh, so like a a band beyond description, we can say a play beyond description as well. You uh, you (laughs) take on that same energy and uh, and offer up something that's totally unlike anything that's out there. We hope so. That's, yeah. That's so cool. No, that's fantastic. Well, so we had, uh, I had you pick a song. So tell, tell yeah. the listeners a little bit about the song that you chose to play and, uh, and what your feelings were behind it. Yeah, the song I chose uh, was actually one that I didn't know um, earlier in my life through all my years of listening to the dead in high school and college. They were you know, a huge part of my college years. When I was in callbacks for this show, the song that I needed to prepare was Broke Down Palace, because my character, Miss Glendine, sings that song along with um, Melinda, Natalie Stores, who you have also talked to. Yes. So I had to learn this song for the show and learn it cold because I didn't know it. So I went and found some um, Grateful Dead versions, and then started listening for other covers. Because honestly, listening to the Dead version they play it so slowly, and it's it's a fairly complex song structurally, musically structure speaking. And so, so listening to it when they play it so slowly, it was really difficult for me to hear the structure of the song. And I was like, I don't understand this song. I don't. I was talking to my boyfriend who who knows quite a lot of the Dead Canon, and I was just like, I don't know if I like this song. He's like, Oh, honey. This song's fantastic, you know, like you gotta, you gotta find it. And so I looked for some covers and, and I found a great cover by Sarah Watkins, who is a solo artist, but she's also known as the, as one part of Nickel Creek, the, the fiddle player, um, mm-hmm. for Nickel Creek. And I found her version, which number one was at a faster tempo so I could hear the structure of the song a little better. But also, I just I just love her, and I loved her take on the song. So that was actually my my entryway to the song, and then I learned it for the um, callback. And the more I dove into it, you know, to to find what the story of the song is and and, and what it means, and you know, to find my own interpretation of what Barbara Hunter was conveying with that song, I just fell in love with it. It is such a compelling story and has such deep emotion. It's like a really deep emotional journey I found of going through this grief process and, um, and feeling so bearing in that grief and finding your way to choosing life, 
basically, to choosing life and the grief, finding the beauty in what's been lost. Yeah, and letting go, you know, just just the the letting go, you know, like how you can go forward when you let go, but it still carries with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is an absolutely gorgeous song, and I am tremendously honored to be able to sing it eight times a week. It's gorgeous. Yeah, no, it, it it is, and I love, and I love how you know it is always slow, but there's there's so many different renditions of it, you know, depending on you know what's going on with the band and with the crowd and where you are, mm-hmm. and um, and I love that it's always a closer. It always kind of it always kind of closes out. It's always an encore. It's always the um, you know, it's it's always a great way to end the night. You know, it's very reflective. Yeah, and now that I know the song, I go back to the Grateful Dead versions, and I love it. I just love what they do, and and actually, we just we've had a lot of discussions in the show about making the song as slow as we could while while still honoring theater, and and that we have to tell the story um, because there's something about the way that the emotions get conveyed when the song is slower. That it, I mean, it just brings the audience to their knees. And when we and when we did it faster in previews, not necessarily because we thought it should be faster, but because we were just sort of at that tempo, it didn't land emotionally as well. And so, you know, then that gives me even more respect for the intuition that the Grateful Dead has of how they how they've always known to the way to convey the song, even if it's unconventional, which most of the time it was, but tremendously effective. Absolutely. No, I, I, I agree with everything that you just said and it's uh, very beautifully put for sure. Mm. No, it's uh it's always one. Of, I, I mean, I don't, it's always one of my favorites, but then on the flip side, I guess it depends on what cut, what night of the show or how many shows that I'm seeing. Cause I really do like to kind of jam out on a high end note too, you know, like <laughs> with a, with a good not fade away or something. I'm, I like the highs and, you know, and kind of the, the lows in a, in a good way. So I would say broken down palace is probably my favorite slow song to to walk out to but um yeah. you know i'll always take a, a one more saturday night or a not fade away or something to to totally tapping your foot out the door yeah but fantastic well so we talked a bit about how you went to a show in 87 and we kind of dug through you know the archives it was a three night show in shoreline in mm-hmm. California, which is my stomping grounds as well. Hey, mm-hmm. Mountain View. Hey, Mountain View. And <laughs> uh, and they did not play Broken Down Palace on the, in the middle show, but they did play it on the final night. So yeah. I think we, we should throw it back, right? Throw it back to Shoreline in October 1987. And, um, totally. And uh, sign out with uh, Broken Down Palace from the boys that night. All right. Let's Love do it. it. Well, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your, your feelings and your stories. And, and I have yet to see the play, but I'm dying to get down and seeing it. So I'm wishing everyone a really long run. So I have, uh, I have lots of time to come down and, uh, and enjoy it. And, um, it just sounds so much fun. And I'm really honored to be included in it in, in my way and to share well, it with the listeners. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And, um, I'm had such a great time talking to you and I hope that you will come down and please let us know when you do so that we can come out and say hi and give you a big hug. Absolutely. Well, for now, bye. <laughs> bye.
loving strangers Just a shake of hands Everybody's praying In the heart of gold Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.